Now, as we jump into today, we do this service every year. We've been doing this, I think, since 2016 or 17, where the last Sunday of the year, we have a, a say-so Sunday. Uh, most of you guys have been through this before, uh, but for those that don't, what we do is we take time to go through a section of Scripture in the Psalms where it says, if, some, if the Lord has done something in your life, then you should say so. You should tell people about it. And so we take this time to reflect on, on the last year, look into the next year, and we're going to spend some time uh, after the sermon here just saying so. Uh, this has been kind of part of our, our annual sort of rhythm as a church family, um, and it served always as an awesome time for us uh, as a church family uh, to reflect back on what the Lord has done. Uh, next week, uh, when we kick off the year, uh, another part of our sort of rhythm as a church family, uh, we're going to be jumping into our, our first of the year vision series, just our reminder of why God has us on the planet. Why does he have this church in Escondido? Uh, it helps us sort of set our course for the new year uh, as a church family, as individual families, as individuals, um, kind of setting our course, our liturgy, our, our, our life rhythm. Uh, and having these types of rhythms, that's why I love that the Lord says, hey, every Sunday, first day of the week, I want my people to gather and sing and hear the word, right? The Lord sets rhythms for us. These are good because we need reminders. We need, we need reps. We need repetition for these truths and these values to get just bore into our minds and our hearts. And so this is one of the things that we do uh, annually is spending this particular time uh, as just part of our church family. This coming year, as we, and we're going to look at this more next week and, and the next few weeks as we get into our, our vision series. This coming year, um, our, our theme sort of for our church family is to be built up as a family. Uh, to sort of tighten the shoelaces, so to speak, in our relationships, um, in, our, in the one another ministries. We looked at that a lot over Advent. Um, pushing ourselves to press into each other more, to spend more time praying together, encouraging one another, doing the one another's, the therefore's that we looked at a couple weeks ago. So we want to grow in that in our discipleship, in our parenting, in our marriage, also in our evangelism being built up more as a family by God's grace so we can be a light in this world to each other and to the world around us. And primarily, most importantly, being built up in Christ, being built up in our love for him. So again, we'll go into that more next week, but I wanted to share that just to help us prepare for it, uh, but also because I hope that today we're going to set that tone a little bit. Uh, starting a year of tightening closeness and oneness for us as a church family, but first, today, building up our praise of Jesus. So in Psalm 107, this is where we're going to be looking at today, um, the psalmist says, if his steadfast love endures, and it does, spoiler alert, his steadfast love does endure, if his steadfast love endures, then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so today we're going to say so. And thankfully, God's word doesn't gloss over things like disappointments and sorrows and pains and trials and sufferings and as if those things don't happen and we just move along smiling, but instead God's word acknowledges these things. God's word actually frames up those things and teaches us even how to move forward when life seems to be moving backwards. When we say so, we, are, we remind ourselves that God has deep and meaningful purpose 
in everything that comes through our life, even when we can't see what he's doing. And so in Psalm 107, it gives us a specific context amid various types of trials and sufferings. I'm just going to read through the opening of Psalm 107, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into this a little bit more. But here's Psalm 107, starting in verse 1. The psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. And he's gathered them in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. So let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us this morning uh, as we encourage one another in his steadfast love. Father, we thank you for uh, this past year, the many ways you've shown us your faithfulness. There might have been many times where we couldn't see what you were doing. There might have been times where we doubted your faithfulness, but we can look back and we can see that you have been faithful all the days of our life. And I pray now that even as we prepare our own hearts to be reminded of your goodness towards us, that you would help us to bring to mind as we just, you know, we go back mentally, we go through January, February, March, April, we look back at this year and we ask ourselves, where was God faithful? What were the evidences of God's goodness and grace? We ask ourselves these things, Lord, because we need to be reminded of your faithfulness because we just we get lost in our thoughts lost in our emotions we get discouraged we get faithless yet you remain faithful so help us to reflect upon these things this morning together as a church family it's in your name we pray and ask all these things amen now everyone in this room whom god has redeemed Every single one of us from north, south, east, and west, no matter where you came from, at one point, we found ourselves in some kind of trouble. Found ourselves maybe in sin or some kind of calamity that's come upon us. Some fears or some worries or addictions or anxieties or depression, maybe grieving losses or perversions, sin, those types of things. But then also kind of on sort of the opposite side of that, maybe self-righteousness, Pride and arrogance, some, maybe some, some self-worship, wandering through life, kind of living for yourself, living very selfishly, maybe isolating, cutting yourself off from people, sulking a bit, not letting other people in, but just kind of being an island in your life. Maybe even successful in life, but yet empty. So every one of us from north, south, east, and west, We've been through some kind of trouble. And here in Psalm 107, the psalmist highlights four different types of people that God has redeemed. Each one of these little sections, it's in verses 4, 10, 17, and 23, each section starts with the word some. Some people, some of these people. And then through each one of those four sections, they go, they change, and it says, then though they cried to the Lord. You'll see that in verse 6, 13, 19, and 28. So we have a description of a person and their calamity, their, their trouble, but then what happened to them once they called upon the Lord? So as we go through each of these, think to yourself, has God done this in my life? Is this me? Does this remind me of me somewhere in my life? 
What has God done in the past year as he's rescued me from maybe this thing or that thing? And if there's something today that the Lord brings to mind for you as we get into the say-so part, I would just encourage you to ask the Lord for a bit of faith and say, give me the faith to, to say so that we'll do later on. We'll have a couple guys walking around with the microphone and you can say so to your church family. Pray for boldness if you fear the microphone. Um, but we need to hear from you because we're a family. Uh, someone in this room needs to hear the encouragement that God has given you this past year. Uh, someone in this room is going through the thing that you've already been brought through, and so they need to hear the encouragement of a brother or a sister this morning. So let's look at this first one, verse four. This is the person who's wandering aimlessly and empty. Verse four, some people wandered in desert wastes. They found no way to a city to dwell in. They were hungry and thirsty, and their soul fainted within them, spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty. The person described here is one who's been wandering through life. They found nowhere to settle. They just kind of feel like they're always kind of on a treadmill spiritually. Some people in life are, are, are spiritually homeless, so to speak. Right? You don't really feel like you belong somewhere. You have not yet committed maybe to a, a, a church family or, or, or just people in general. You kind of isolate yourself. You're spiritually aimless. You have no path, no real direction. So this person can't find a city to dwell in, is what the psalmist says. Now, ultimately, that city speaks of Christ, who's the true Israel that we've seen the last few weeks. But this is really calling out also to the person who wanders without the community of the body of Christ. They haven't found a city to dwell in. They're maybe a little standoffish, a little got some barriers up maybe. They wander outside of community, outside of the community of God, outside of fellowship, outside of accountability. They're, they're walled off a little bit. So they wander in the, the desert of their own life. Got a kind of a broken compass, no service for your GPS. You can see right in front of you, yet maybe you're still feeling a bit lost and you can't find your way to that city to dwell in, to the community of God and his people. So you're, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're restless and you're a bit worn out. You know what would be best for you, but you just keep wandering, and eventually your soul faints. It's just, it's drained. You're, you're, you've been running on fumes, now you're just drained. This uh, last week, uh, my mom was in town, and uh, there, so after Christmas, our, we had a little family fight club. You know, we call our, our, our gatherings when we get together. We fight for each other for the sake of the gospel. We encourage each other. So uh, my wife, my boys, my mom, we had this family fight club. Um, we wanted to talk about really what is it that we want to grow in this year? How can we hold each other accountable? How can we do this together as a family? So we kind of talked about the things that we want to grow in, some of the things we've been struggling in. Um, and then as a family, the, the, the four of us and my mom, we're, just, we're committed to helping each other go into this new year. And one thing that I shared with them that I know that I need for the new year to be a, a greater part of, of my sort of life rhythm, my life liturgy, I need more of the encouragement and fellowship and accountability of the people in my life. I need to put myself out there more. Uh, being kind of an introvert, not kind of being an absolute introvert, um, I can tend to sort of isolate. I go inward. And I know that's not good for me ultimately, but it's my tendency. 
And so I was just sharing with them, I know that I need that. I don't, I don't want to be this guy who's wandering and not finding a city to dwell in. We weren't wired to be on our own, even for us introverts. We're still not wired to be on our own. But we have to take that initiative and not just wait for others to make that happen. We have to stop our wandering and go into the city. Now look what happens in verse 6. This person, this wanderer, cried to the Lord in their trouble, and God delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. So let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So this person cries to the Lord and the Lord answers. He brings them into the city, into the people of God. Some of you maybe as you look back at the last year or so, maybe you see, man, I was so disconnected and I finally got connected. I got into a community group or I started hanging out with people or inviting people into my life. I don't know why I didn't do this before. And you look back and you see God's faithfulness. Today, maybe you should say so about that because there might be someone in this room who's in that spot where you were six or eight months ago. They still haven't yet really jumped into this relationship thing, this community of God's people, and they need to be encouraged by you. And the next person in verse 10 says, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. They rebelled against the words of God. They spurned the counsel of the Most High, so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help them. This person here has become a prisoner of their own sin. They willfully rebelled against God's word and went against his wisdom. And so God, in turn, brought about consequences, consequences for their sin that were difficult. They might even have found themselves in isolation. It says there was no one there to help them. Their own sin cut them off from other people. Sin has those kinds of consequences. It destroys, it ruins relationships, it severs relationships. But look what happens in verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. So let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. So they call upon the Lord. In their sin, they call upon the Lord and he answers. He brings them out of darkness, breaks their chains. Church, confession of sin breaks the power and the chains of sin. We, we fear that if we confess our sin to people, we fear the condemnation, shame. People are gonna look down upon us, but the reality is, is we're already living under condemnation when we're keeping it a secret. So you're already living there in that condemnation. Confession actually brings freedom from sin. You get to take that heavy backpack off and set it down at the cross and you just, you walk lighter. And you're, you're shocked sometimes when you confess to people that you know that they love you. When you confess these sins to them, they love you even more. They embrace you. They don't condemn you. And then you ask yourself, why didn't I do this before? Why did I not confess this and get this off my chest before? The next person here is similar to the previous one. They had their sin take them further than they set out to go. 
They thought, well, I'll just sin a little bit, but I won't do this. But then they just kind of keep going. That's what sin does. It gets a hook in you and pulls you. Verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. So their sin was bringing them closer and closer even to death. This person suffers from some kind of physical and even mental affliction. They can't eat. They can't even eat. Their, their stomach is nauseous because of their own sin. Maybe it's also because of some kind of sickness or disease that was brought about by their sin. And so now they're drawing near even to death. But look at verse 19. They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. So they too cry out to the Lord. He delivers them. He might not heal them physically, at least in, in this life here, but he becomes their healing. With just a word, their souls are healed and saved from destruction. And the last person here in verse 23. Some folks went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. So these are merchants. They're just going about their life, doing their work. They saw the deeds of the Lord. They saw his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven they went down to the depths, and these people, their courage melted away in this evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' ends. This person here was just going about life, doing business, making a living, trying to put food on the table, and the Lord brought a great storm, and it devastated their life. Everything was gone. They were at their wits' ends. They were confused. They were troubled. This was all out of their control. It doesn't seem like this was, had anything to do with them. It wasn't necessarily because of sin at all. They're just doing business, being faithful. And yet a storm comes out of nowhere and devastates them. So some of these troubles that we go through have nothing to do with sin. Right? The first couple we saw did, but this one doesn't seem to. Just sometimes storms happen. And these people were undone. They were at their wits' ends. In Psalm 119, verse 75, the psalmist says, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you've afflicted me. Sometimes the Lord just brings affliction in our life, but it's always done out of God's goodness, out of purpose. There's a meaning and a reason for it. It's in his faithfulness. I don't... I don't I don't trust a stranger with a knife, but I trust a, a doctor with a knife, right? So when, when the Lord brings a scalpel to us, he's not a stranger who's about to rob us and stab us or whatever, right? He's a doctor who's working on us for good. The pains and the sorrows, the trials that just happen in life, when you're just being faithful, you're out there doing your job. You're making money, providing for your family, and a storm happens. You have no idea why, but you can know that God is being faithful even in the trials. He's not doing it just for the sake of harming you, not doing it just to kind of tease you. He's a surgeon. He's doing something 
And even when we get to our wit's end, we can trust and know that he is doing something. Some hardships are unbearably painful for us. But when we know that there's purpose in them, and that purpose is driven by God's faithfulness, we're able to get through them, even if it's with a limp. We get through some of these these troubles, these trials, and we're limping on the other side, and that's okay. It's okay if you limp for the rest of your life. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness in your life. Look what happens even to these people in verse 28. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. He brought them into safe harbor. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Here's what it reminds us here. Let them extol him, not just privately in your own mind and your heart, but let's do so in the congregation of the people. Let your friends know about God's faithfulness in your life. How have you been growing in your life? How have you seen God's faithfulness work in your life? Extol him in the congregation and praise him in the assembly of the elders. They call out to him and he answers. He stills the storm and gets them through it. And a final word from the psalmist, verse 33. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground. He turns a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. So sometimes the Lord brings calamity into our life as a means of of discipline to bring about maybe an awakening or some kind of repentance. He turns a desert into pools of water a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to dwell in. They saw fields, they sow fields and they plant vineyards, and they get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and they're glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. And here's a key verse here in verse 43. Whoever is wise, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Think about these things. Let that person consider the steadfast love of the Lord. If you're wise, or if you want to be wise, if you want to grow in wisdom, consider these things. Consider God's goodness and faithfulness. Consider the fact that he'll drive out water from a lush land if there's sin in that land. But he'll also bring water into a parched land when we call out to him, when we cry out to him. Say, God, we're thirsty, we're hungry, we're wandering. Call out upon the Lord. And he will answer. Consider the steadfast love of the Lord. There's many different scenarios in our lives. But there's only one solution. And that's to call upon the Lord. And he will answer. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 35. I'm the bread of life. If you're thirsty, you're hungry, your soul is parched, you're wandering, you feel just like you're running on empty. He is the bread of life. He says, whoever comes to me 
shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you've seen me and yet you still don't believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast them out. He will not turn you away. If you come to him in your hunger, in your thirst, in your tiredness, in your weariness. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is my father's will, that I should lose nothing. I'm not going to lose anyone that God gives me, that my father gives me. I'm not going to lose a single one, but I'm going to raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks upon the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So let's look again once more at uh, how each section ends here because there's a command in here in each of these four, verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, verse 31. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. He satisfies the longing soul. Verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works. He shatters the doors of bronze and cuts the bars of iron. Verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him. Let them exalt his name in the congregation of the people. We exalt the name of the Lord amongst one another. And we praise him in the assembly of the elders. So church, let's, let's do this now. Let's hear from one another. Let's extol him amidst our congregation, amidst our church family. Praise him amongst each other. We want to ask the Lord to encourage one another with the different ways that God has encouraged us throughout this last year. Now, circling back to verse 1 through 3, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, before we hear from one another, we're going to do what this word says here is to sing songs, songs of joy amongst one another. So let's all stand together. The band can come up. We're going to sing to the Lord. We're going to sing of his faithfulness. We're going to sing of his steadfast love. For those of you who are hungry and thirsty, you're saying, I, I need more of the Lord. This is what we're going to do now is say, Lord, we're here with my church family. I need more of you. I need you to, to show yourself to me in a way more so that I can trust you, that I can uh, give more of my heart to you that you would empower me, that your Holy Spirit would empower me as I go into this new year. We want to cry out together as a church family, asking the Lord for his mercy, asking him to encourage us, to, to, to lift our hearts up to him. So let me pray. And as we pray, ask the Lord to show his faithfulness to you, to remind you of his faithfulness. Father in heaven, as we um, 
as we gather together as your church family, as your body, we want to encourage one another. Encourage one another in your goodness and your steadfast love. We want to remind one another that you are the bread of life. You're the living water. And all that we need is found in you. So God, help us to gear our minds, our hearts, our words, even the, the, the lifting of our voices as we sing, to gear this all towards you, towards your goodness, towards your majesty, towards your glory.